Do you have a name? Well, yes. The podcast is called Waiting for What? I like it. <laughs> it's good. I'm like, I... <laughs> Waiting for what? what? Exactly. Why did, I, why did I wait for this? <laughs> That's exactly it. I'm... Hello, hello. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Today's podcast is focused on chapter six of the book, which was titled, What's the Point? And it's an interesting title because the chapter is actually about pleasure and the journey many of us took to figure out how to have good sex. And it is not a straightforward topic, but it's one that I honestly had a lot of fun thinking about for the book and then talking about with friends. And I'm going to admit, I still get like a little uncomfortable and embarrassed talking about sexual pleasure um, with anybody except for my husband. And even sometimes with my husband, I'm like, ooh, this is like a lot. But you know what? I think that's the whole point of this podcast is just to push through that discomfort to have meaningful connection around this pretty important subject. And when I started this chapter out, I made the point that sex can have different roles at different points in marriage. So pleasure is an important piece and it also sex can function, you know, in other ways. But this chapter was about trying to have the sex you're having be enjoyable. And I definitely was talking to married people. I now understand that many people who are not married have pleasure in sex. And some of them are like experts about it. So, um, you know, I've continued to learn from many, many different folks. And I just find it so interesting as a woman who is in her late 30s and I have small children, like how the female anatomy continues to be in some ways mysterious. Um, I do talk in this chapter a bit about our anatomy and naming your parts and being okay with the words vulva and vagina. And I'm just gonna share that recently I had to see a pelvic floor therapist because I've had three babies. And the, the doctor asked me if I do monthly vulvar exams and I was like what no I don't and she was like you maybe should so I am still learning about how to best take care of my vulva and how to be good to myself in all the ways um, and I think this chapter has to start with anatomy because we are, are like our pleasure centers as women are different than men we know this and it's also a lot more than just anatomy, right? And one thing that I kind of have enjoyed about this whole process of going back and looking at the book and historically, like what my thoughts were on things is just how I can see the changes in my own understanding of things. And pleasure is definitely in that category where I continue to learn with my husband um, and from my friends about what it means to be a woman fully engaged in my like integrated sexual self. And 
I love that, that I'm still getting to grow in that. And I, I plan to do it for a long time to come. So, you know, as I was writing this chapter, I was acknowledging that sex and pleasure can change over time, which is just even more true now that I have another few years of marriage. It was funny when I was writing the book and I was talking to a friend who had been married for 10 years at the time of interviewing her. I thought of her as like a wise sage. And now I'm like, oh, you, there's just it's such a long road, such a long road to learn. So while I was reading through the the text of the book, I, I could see myself kind of doing like check boxes of Christian awareness. And, you know, I, I thought at the time about sex as a gift from God, but it was definitely trying to like fit into this box of like, it must be honoring to God in these ways. And now I kind of see things more openly and feel like I have a, a more broad understanding of the gift that God has given us in sex. Um, and connected to that, I, I do think the conversation or the discussion of masturbation is pretty robust in this chapter with my conclusion being that it's a gray area as far as biblical permission and that the pastors that I spoke to for the book, um, in their view of biblical guidance, they saw sort of the Bible as being cautionary as to masturbation. I guess I would now understand that more as God's gifted us sex and our own bodies and our own ability to learn about ourselves as part of the whole package of how we are to, to be known and know ourselves, which I think is beautiful. Um, and most of the women that I spoke to for the book had masturbated before marriage and those that had said they felt like it made them more confident as they embarked on their married sex lives. And I just wanted to read um, one section that I, I think was formed from having conversations with a bunch of women, some of whom had had experiences where masturbation and then pornography had gotten off the rails and they had been in bad places with it. And then reflecting on like other women who had spoken positively about the way that they had explored masturbation. So this is a small excerpt. There is the caveat that creating a habit of masturbation has the potential to cause challenges for a married woman. If she either prefers her own touch to her partner's or is more interested in masturbation than in sex. Add to this, add this to the list of things to talk about because masturbation as intimate and private as it is, should be something that a woman prays about and can discuss with trusted friends and seeks guidance about. By actually engaging with the subject, women can better understand if their habits are moving towards unhealthy and steer clear of that sin of lust. So I guess I read that in order to both reflect on where I was at and what I, what I always come back to, which is this is just another thing to be talking about with your friends and your husband. The more we talk about it, the less kind of dangerous and, and dark most things become, and masturbation is one of those. So something I could not have predicted when I started out in marriage, but I was beginning to understand as I was writing the book, was that there would be stretches when sex was off the table. And in this chapter, I kind of reflect on the fact that whether it's travel or pregnancy or illness, there are times when sex is not available to you and masturbation can be super helpful at those times. 
and you know my I do want to reflect a little bit on my language in that excerpt around the sin of lust I think that has been used to control people and to kind of guide women away from knowing themselves so much and I want to be really careful to assert that in knowing your own pleasure through masturbation there is the capacity for goodness and you know I guess just not to be afraid of your own pleasure I mean my friend um, my friend Catherine and I talked at length about this really absurd divide between you know, the way that men and masturbation are viewed and the way that women and masturbation are viewed and how for so many Christian gals, sexual exploration before marriage is to be like the line is drawn at pleasure. Um, I think that is a real struggle for many women to overcome. And I would hope that as we are growing in our understanding of like the grace and goodness of God and the gift that is sex, that masturbation would not be in the, the category of things that are connected to sin, but instead would be a, um, a manner of coming to know yourself better that would be totally within the, the plan of God if you are at peace with that and if you are in conversation with God in a way that allows you to feel like this is, this is not a, a sin. I think everybody has to make their own call on this and and many other of the nuanced issues around sex and your sexuality and your faith but my own understanding at this point is much more broad than it was and i think i keep saying that word and i'm kind of glad that my my views have opened up i feel like that is part of a good journey that i have been on the next part of the chapter was spent talking about how important it is to work towards and aspire to and talk about orgasms which have been portrayed with such a singular and unrealistic um, lens and I just wanted to point out that like orgasms are much more nuanced than we've all seen in movies and in shows and in music I think that's you know we can all love the scene from when Harry met Sally but there's just a lot more to, to orgasm than that. There was a really poignant story shared with me in this chapter about a friend who got into something of a vicious cycle with orgasms because she described herself as having a low desire for sex because it took a lot of work to get to an orgasm, which then led her to see sex as almost a favor to her husband which made her want it to be over quickly, which meant she rarely ever experienced the pleasure of an orgasm, which then reinforced her low desire to have sex. And I think this is not uncommon, and I, I won't pretend like I have the solution to that, but I just think it's important to recognize that we can get into these cycles, and I do think it takes both partners focusing on that particular goal in sex sometimes, to, to come to the, um, the outcome that everybody wants, which is a lot of enjoyment and pleasure. So I did laugh a little bit 
when reading about how many suggestions I made around for play in this chapter, because with three small children, foreplay has been been something of a rarity uh, in my house, and it's kind of just a logistical issue that this is not the time in our life where foreplay is a big deal, but I do think it's a great thing to contemplate and to engage with when you can. And one of the other things I kind of went into was around the mind and body connection because sex is not just physical. And that was something that really took a while for me to completely understand um, the, the way that mental focus can connect to climaxing and how critical it can be. It's pretty rad once you have that understanding and you can use fantasy and your imagination to build fun and novelty into sex just by thinking about sex in a creative way. And I, I learned a lot about these ideas from Esther Perel, who's a world-renowned sex expert. I give some examples of how women used their minds to add passion and spice to sex. And then I spent some time suggesting ways to add more fun to sex. And, you know, these aren't novel, right? Toys and books. A lot of people have cited that as something that's raised their pleasure levels locations. Um, I did have a note in the book to write more about giving pleasure, but I never wrote more about it. And I guess that comes from like my own experience as sex being such a mutual, like giving and taking that I didn't have a whole um, section about giving pleasure because this book is mostly focused towards women. And, you know, let's talk more about how we can experience it ourselves. I guess that's in the end what I did. Um, I did also describe a vibrator as both a tool and a toy, and I found that hysterical because I currently in my role as a mother am constantly telling my children, that's not a toy, it's a tool, delineating between the two, and I don't know what I would say to them if they found a vibrator. I think I would have to be honest and say this is both a tool and a toy, which would be confusing. Um, there was a... As I've mentioned, a lot of women have talked recently about how reading sexy stories is good for their libido. I've heard of an app that feeds you different stories. And I just think it's women waking up to the fact that like our minds and our fantasies can play a positive role in how much we enjoy sex, which I think is so awesome. Another thing that I pointed out is that basically any amount of effort even buying a sex toy for your husband that is actually for a, a woman, which I did once, it is still good for your sex life because when I handed my husband this small sex toy and he handed it back to me and said, this isn't for his parts, it's for my parts, we had a great laugh. And that was, I mean, it was enough to him that I was seeing that we should be trying to engage in this way and it was good. So... I did go back again to um, cite Esther Perel because she really talks in her work about the importance of novelty in a marriage. You're having sex with the same person. How do you keep novelty as part of sex? And so if you have quiet sex, try having loud sex. If you always have sex in your bed, try having it in the kitchen. And then I talked about clitoral stimulation and encouraged everyone to talk about it. And then keep talking about it because a man is not going to know once 
if you give him some clarity, he's going to need more direction. And that's where this communication piece just keeps coming up. So my last kind of, kind of the importance about talking about clitoral stimulation and the fact that you're going to have to keep talking about it. It's something that you and your partner are going to have to be in communication about, and that's totally good. That is okay. In fact, that's healthy and wonderful. I also really encourage all of us to try to stay open when it comes to exploring pleasure in sex because there may be things that you're not up for now that maybe in a few years into your marriage you'll be glad to give it a whirl. I know this has happened to me. So I think at the end of this chapter I wrapped up with stating the real the real real which is Orgasm is not the goal of sex, it's connection and intimacy, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be going for the orgasm and trying to have a ton of pleasure in sex. A couple last thoughts on this chapter. In some ways I have a little bit of sheepishness about being in some ways dismissive of the many, many women who do not have a lot of pleasure in sex. And I I just want to note that that was certainly not my intention. And I don't know how best to explore this topic with that caveat kind of front of mind. And I do think that kind of ending the chapter with the idea that sex is not only about orgasms is so important. And I do not really like delve super, super much into that in the chapter. But I, after I kind of read through and thought about it a bit more, I think that's, it's just really important to like acknowledge and honor that sex is, um, it is complicated and pleasure is a piece of it and I do think it's an important piece but I also think I want to kind of wrap my mind around the fullness of sex and and have that be sort of more of what the goal that women who were raised in Christianity and with faith as their guiding principle around sex are seeking Um, so that's just some final thoughts Thanks for listening to today's episode. You'll find the full text of the chapter in the show notes, and please feel free to leave comments or share the podcast. I'm Jessie Freer-Walters, and this is Waiting for What.